Hey, Tribe, did you know the average business is missing out on 50% more sales? If you're an ambitious female entrepreneur who is leveling up this year and your path is to grow beyond seven figures, I have an invitation for you. Every month I open my calendar up for a few lucky business owners to take advantage of a rev up your revenue assessment. You may not know this, but only 2% of sales close on that first contact or the first sales call. And most entrepreneurs are missing out on tens of thousands of dollars in additional revenue every month because they don't have a repeatable process that nurtures those other 98% of leads who just aren't ready to say yes yet. Like most businesses, you may even fall into that roller coaster cycle of feast or famine, or maybe you're just randomly bringing on new clients, but you don't know where they're coming from and why they're choosing you. If that's the case, let's find out if there are clients and dollars that you may be overlooking with a rev up your revenue assessment. In the assessment, we dive into your sales processes, identify low-hanging fruit, develop a simple and repeatable process for you to close clients like clockwork, and give you the action steps that you can implement right away. So if this sounds like something you want to take advantage of, because there are only a few slots, click the Rev Up Your Revenue Assessment link in the show notes. Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am your host, Emmy Kirshner, and today I have the one and only Amanda Holmes. Amanda and I met, God, I think it was a couple of months ago, several months ago, through mutual um, business colleagues of ours. And I have to say, I am one of the biggest fans because Amanda, as the CEO of Chet Holmes International, has worked with over 250,000 businesses worldwide, and they help their clients improve their online user experience and therefore generate more traffic to their website and increase their online sales, which thrills me to no end because that is, I think, one of the most challenging areas to grow your business. But Amanda is also the daughter of renowned sales expert Chet Holmes, and she inherited the business when she was 24 years old after her dad unexpectedly passed away. So Amanda, welcome to the show. I am so, so honored to have you. Such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, share with us so your story because I can't imagine one losing my dad at 24. Like that makes me want to crawl under my bed just thinking about that. And then on top of that, you have this huge corporation that you inherit. And it wasn't exactly your plan if, if I'm kind of doing my research right to take over a huge corporation. 
Yeah. I was a singer songwriter. I went to school for music. I had just released my fourth record and my father got diagnosed with leukemia. So I put that on pause and was in the hospital with him for a year and a half fighting for his life. And yeah, when he passed, there was in the year and a half that I was in the hospital with him. I mean, he never spent one night alone. It would be me pulling an all-nighter, then my mom and my brother, and we'd just go in rounds. And because he had leukemia, he had night sweat, so he'd be up all night long. And never once did we sit down and say, hey, what are your businesses? <laughs> Who runs them? What are your plans for your business, right? We, we never had that conversation in all that time. And it means a lot to me when I talk to people that do have a business and have not shared that kind of information with somebody. I, I always stress to them, please do it. Because when I then inherited it, and I can remember the moment I sat down, it's one of those that's etched in my brain forever of just scrolling across the PL of all the different divisions and going, what is all of this? Like I, if for me, it just, I just started bawling because I was so terrified at this concept and, but I'm so grateful here. We are nearly a decade later and 60% of second generation businesses do not survive. And as everyone else knows as well, it's like, I think it's around, oh man, I forget exactly, but three fourths of businesses don't last past 10 years. So where I'm, I'm so grateful to be a part of that. And it's really has a lot to do with my father's methodologies are just timeless. I've just been grateful enough to take that method that's foundational principles and adapt them to modern mediums and modern tactical application. You have any, I mean, you've done amazing things with the business. Like if I'm remembering correctly, you've grown tremendously just in the last couple of years alone, like, I don't know, quadruple digits. (laughs) And I know you're following your dad's strategies, but there's still, I mean, huge shoes to fill. You have a music background. Did you think about like, sorry, I'm going to pass on the business and I'm going to go be what I on being and continue making records? And yeah, I, yeah, I wanted nothing to do with it for the first year and a half, I hired several different C-level executives, different CEOs, different presidents, CMO, CTO, CFO, everything you could think of because I was just trying to fill the hole and the void that was losing the founder and the face of our organization. So yeah, I wanted nothing to do with it. It was really... The biggest influence there was I study under an Indian saint. Her formal title is Sarvaloka Ma, Her Holiness Sri 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 1008 Guruji Punamji. She's just the most selfless, brilliant, wise. I've met a lot of brilliant people being surrounded by my father for, you know, my whole growing up. And but she is a class of her own. And she had told me, yes, you can do it, Amanda. You can step in and uh, you can carry on that legacy because your father spent his whole life doing it. And it's something to honor and to make sure that that carries forward. And regardless of my, <laughs> my hesitations and my freakouts, you know, I'm 24 years old. I'm 25 years old. I, I don't know if I can do this. She kept uh, telling me that I could. And that, that was a huge uh, influence in, in that stepping into that role. I can only imagine. And I'm sure you had more than one learning curve. Absolutely. Yeah. The different changes in taking us from being completely offline as a business to going online. I can remember the first times we were doing e-commerce, right? Or doing a landing page and creating a webinar sequence and creating email sequences and doing affiliate strategies, all of that. Uh, just has 
continually evolved and improved. And I really love that process. I've actually found it to be so joyful because the creative part of me that was a musician and a performer and an entertainer loves the concept of, oh, I can teach and educate and have it be fun and engaging where I think that our world kind of needs that, you know, that balance of teaching while also keeping it lighthearted and entertaining and and useful. So that worked in my favor. Absolutely. As somebody who is committed to playing and having fun and and doing that in my business. It's so wonderful to hear you say that. And I do think we need more of that. Like life is serious enough. So let's laugh a little bit more. Yes. Oh my gosh. I think it's also because I've been through the ringer and back. There was this really funny meme that came out right at the beginning of the pandemic where it was like all these people terrified, freaking out. They're on a roller coaster. And then one person is just like with their arms crossed and just like hanging out. And they're like, for everyone else in the world that this is the first traumatic experience they've had, the pandemic. And then for everyone else that has been through so much more trauma that this seems like (laughs) weakness in comparison. I thought that thing was so hysterical because my pandemic happened 10 years ago when I lost my father, right? It was like my whole world turned upside down. So yeah, I definitely relate to that. Yeah. I think the same thing for me, like I've had multiple traumas in my life and COVID hit and not that it wasn't like, oh, we're having a pause and things are very different, but I'm so used to just like, I've got to run with the ball and go with the change that I was able to pivot a lot faster. Mm. And yes, that's crucial, right? And knowing what matters, what truly matters, because when everything you have looks like it's going to go away, like I had some really strong struggles. The fact that we're here today and thriving and growing is just a miracle, literally. And and I'm sure many business businesses can relate to that. I think the first week that I came in as CEO, my merchant services provider withheld payroll. So a couple hundred people couldn't get paid. And so they come to me and they go, okay, Amanda, the merchant services has withheld your, your payroll. And I'm like, what's a merchant services? <laughs> and, and then my next call was like, they're like, okay, Amanda, we've spent half a million dollars on Salesforce, but we haven't turned it on yet. It's looking like we're not quite sure if we even should step into the CRM. What do you think? And I'm like, what's the CRM? <laughs> you know, like this was like my first week on the job. <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. So I've been through the darkness to know what it means to enjoy the light and to enjoy the moments and to cherish and savor what we have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And how is that all of those challenges and the struggles? And, and jumping into the CEO role, how has that impacted your leadership and how you lead today? Oh man, ever evolving. <sighs> At first I stepped in and it was just, what can I do to prove myself? It was all about, you know, cause I kind of needed to get some kind of <laughs> faith from the people around me that I could do something. So, you know, then I'm trying to, I'm bringing in the biggest client we've had since my father passed, right? I'm bringing in fortune 500 clients. I'm bringing in affiliates. I'm doubling our conversion rates. I'm growing our marketing. I'm doubling our clients. Like I'm doing all of this, but it's all about me. It's just, it's me, 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 me. And so there was an evolution that started to happen where I started realizing, well, if it's just the Amanda show, what's the point here? You know, I'm here to create an organization that's thriving and growing and to be able to grow far 
right? And what's the saying, the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right. So realizing that it's about lifting up those around me and giving them the tools and watching them grow and watching them bloom. And uh, that was a huge realization for me because I couldn't do everything. Right. And then, and then from there evolving into another place of, Oh, how can I create a culture that is really exciting? I mean, in August alone, 4.3 million employees left their jobs because they felt that they weren't feeling satisfied and they'd rather have something that was more values driven and mission driven because the pandemic happened and people looked at themselves and looked at their lives and looked at themselves in the mirror and said, I don't really like who I'm looking at. So we're seeing this mass transition, right? Which is fascinating. And it speaks a lot more to the culture of what you're creating. And that's one thing that I, that my father really didn't talk about and has been part of my leadership journey of how do I cultivate those people that sing? I always say like one of my personal values is I want to create beauty everywhere I go and create the kind of song where people join in to create the symphony. You know, I want to, I want to create a rhythm that people want to dance along to and join in. So to be able to do that is a different approach and it's different for every person, right? Which I think is fascinating. Every leader is a little different. There. I was just talking to somebody earlier today. We were talking about core values and how I love doing that whole exercise, particularly with, with team members, because you're looking at the same word and everybody has a slightly different variation on what it means for them. So mm. kind of that group meaning and then carrying that on. But I love the idea of the symphony too, and everybody adding value and playing their part. So. Yeah. I mean, you can have a bunch of soloists, but then you just have a bunch of ego. <laughs> it's like, you can yeah, only so much. Wouldn't it be magnificent if everyone is saying the exact same thing and it just ends up so much louder and so much more impressive. And yeah. And do you find that as you stepped into that leadership and, and you're creating the symphony that then the impact and the results are greater sales, happier clients, happier team members? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a joy and a fulfillment within myself too. If I know that I'm tapping into what makes my people happy and that they feel that they're being taken care of and that I'm nurturing them and finding more ways for them to grow as human beings, to know that they are a human being and not just a cog in a wheel, then they're going to, that's just all going to trickle down, right? That's that's when it blooms from every, every level. Yeah. I, I think it's so much fun to see, particularly when things haven't been working in a business. And at least with my, in my coaching experience, when you start to make some of those shifts and whether it's helping people step into or bringing on new people, when everybody starts moving very fluidly, it's really a cool thing. So kudos to you for being able to accomplish that because hmm. you have a lot of employees. You know, I'm I'm very grateful. I've so studying under my guru has really assisted in being a part of a nonprofit because so much of a nonprofit is based around the mission, right? And the values. So I learned a lot there at Divine Bliss. And then I also learned a lot. I'm on a board of one of the largest IT managed services companies in the country. It's called JMark. And they have also won best places to work and they're in the Inc. 5000 list. And it's really the culture that they've created there that I've 
been so inspired by. The first day that I arrived there, I talked to one of the staff. I said, oh, how do you like working at J-Mark? And the guy's response was, if Tom Douglas told me to walk out into the middle of the street in front of traffic, I would do it because I trust that man so much. And I looked at the man and I'm like, oh my God, that was like the most raving testimony I've ever heard. And I happened to have a videographer with me and I came up and I'm like, can I have you repeat that in front of the camera once? Because that was too brilliant. It is, but that's what I think hearing and acknowledging people's uniqueness, their specialty and being human. And I, I think that's one of the benefits of the pandemic and COVID and, and having people resign and say, you know, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Like I want to be recognized and valued and it's going to create a far much or far more positive culture yeah. in general outside of business too. So I'm excited about kind of the shifts, even though they're uncomfortable right now. Yeah. Well, it's also a great opportunity for people to find brilliant talent. Like I recently ended up stealing somebody away that is just brilliant. And they did take a pay cut because they wanted to feel more aligned with the values and mission. And so there is those opportunities happening right now that if you're clear on what your mission and what your values are and what your goal is, and if you can get that clear message, like we teach a core story, right? If you can have that clear message to give to that new staff and to put that out into the world, you can get some killer talent right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you are looking to hire, yeah, first of all, play with this, the core story, if you haven't, because that's really so juicy. Like it's so delicious and (laughs) understanding like those elements. So can you share just a little bit for people who don't know what that is? Yes. So imagine that I put you in a stadium for those that are listening. I put you in a stadium full of 50,000 of your potential prospects and you would have to give a talk. What would be the title of your talk? You could even pause the recording, write it down. What is your title? And then turn it back on. So majority of businesses, what they do... If you have a pen and paper, I recommend drawing a triangle. So if you have a triangle and you put a line just at the top 3%, 3% of the people that listened to your title are interested in your product or service at any given time. If you have a hundred people in front of you, roughly around three will be interested. If you are cold calling a hundred people, roughly around three are in the buying now category. If you have people visiting your website, very often it could be three or in the yes, I'm buying now or somebody that's seen your Facebook post or your LinkedIn post. So roughly around 3% are in the buying now category. Then if you put another line at 7%, 7% are interested, but not quite in the buying yet. They're doing their research. The rest of the buyer's pyramid, that pyramid, 30% think that they're not interested. The next 30% are definitely not interested. And the last 30% don't even have it on their periphery. They're not even thinking about it. So 90% of your prospects do not care about you, your product or service. You are wasting 90% of your good hard-earned money on marketing and sales tactics that are just focused on you. So how can you create a stadium pitch title that would get the attention of the entire buyer's pyramid? So for instance, we had Panasonic as a client 
and they sold bathroom fans. It was the division that sold bathroom fans. And instead of reaching out to people saying, hey, I'd like to talk to you about bathroom fans, we started educating on the four critical elements you need to know for this next year in home and home development. So instead of going in and saying, hey, I want to talk about how fast my bathroom fan and how quiet it is, now we're giving education on the trends of what's happening in housing and home improvement. We're talking about how single family homes are not being built right now, how the supply chain is is locked up, how multifamily homes and renovating is actually where you should be focusing in your business as a builder, right? So a salesperson thinking purely tactical would look at that and go, I'm just selling bathroom fans. Why would I ever start talking about the trends of home improvement? Because what is important to your prospect? What is keeping them up at night? What are they having meetings about all day long? How can you bring them that information in an educational way that grabs their attention so you get the entire buyer's pyramid? So we worked with Panasonic over a nine-year period, and they actually ended up growing by 400%. It was a crazy success for that division. I mean, the Japanese were shocked that an American division would grow that fast. It was pretty crazy. But we have plenty of those stories. I mean, exercise equipment, instead of talking about exercising, their stadium pitch title was the five reasons why humans are going extinct. Wow. How much of the buyer's pyramid does that get attention? Yeah. And who doesn't want to know that? Exactly. So what is your catchy title that's going to grab their attention? And then how can you educate them to bring them to the logical conclusion that they need to work with you and you alone? That is our expertise. That's a part of what you read in the ultimate sales machine of my father, right? Mm -hmm. Being that strategist, you can get nine times the impact from every move you're already making to generate new business. Yeah. And the ultimate sales machine is one of like the best sales books out there. Thank you. Yeah. We've been voted in the top 10 most recommended marketing sales books of all time now. So yeah, like it's, it's for me, it's like the Bible of not just sales, but like business in general, because there's so many great tips in it. As I said to you before we started recording, I like chapter five. It's my favorite, but yeah. And educating your client is such a great way to build the relationship, right? Like they don't feel sold they're going to give you more information about who they are and what they're looking for. So then you can tailor, you know, what you're offering to mm-hmm. their effectively. Absolutely. It's awesome. And I know it's a little ways out, but we do have an updated version coming. Yes. Coming. Mm-hmm. In 2022, it will be here. I've been working on it. So Penguin kept asking me to do the new edition and I said no for many many years. And then finally I said I would take on the project. And I, and then when I signed the contract, I went out on social and I went, Hey guys, what would you like me to update about the ultimate sales machine? And the response I got over and over again was don't change a thing. It's perfect. (laughs) It's like, great, no pressure guys. (laughs) So three years later, I finally ended up finishing it. Well, congratulations. I said, I can hardly wait for it. So I can have them both together on my bookshelf and refer to them. And I do, it's one of the few books that when I'm on calls, I like go and get, because I have, I remember I'm like, I know this thing said, you know, whatever. I got to find the actual language. So I refer to it all the time. Oh, that's great. (laughs) So what are some of, and I'm going to air quote secrets to creating more sales. I'm going to leave that really broad. 
let you play with that it. is very broad. Yeah. Okay. Well, w- we can dive into the fastest, least expensive way to double sales. How about that? I always like that because I think that's what every business wants. Great. So my father actually utilized this. It was, it's called the dream 100. And he was working for a billionaire by the name of Charlie Munger. And he was able to double the sales of nine different divisions for Charlie, all within 12 to 15 months. And several of them doubled multiple years consecutively. So he was given a list of 2000 different prospects and they said, okay, go cold call these 2200 prospects said, wow, that's a lot of cold calling. Let me do a little bit of research. And when he looked into the 2200, he realized that 95% of the market was purchased by only 167. So instead of going after all of those 2,200, he just focused on the 167, but with pig-headed discipline and determination. We always teach that pig-headed discipline and determination. And uh, so the first four months, and this was a regular campaign of once a week, they would do direct mail. This was uh, many years ago, right? So mediums have changed a little bit, but the concept is still the same. So they would send out a mailer, they'd follow up with a phone call, and then they'd send an email, and then they'd do a fax. And then the next week, they do the same thing. Send a mailer, send a follow-up call with an email and a fax. And they did this for four months straight and they didn't get one sale. So people around the office are talking like, yeah, this great sales guys, <laughs> not really an expert here, but he was going after the biggest, best whales, right? So in the fifth month, he closed the largest contract that the industry had ever seen. He got Xerox into the fold. It was huge. And then after that, he got 28 more. They doubled sales, like I said. In those six months, he doubled sales, and then he doubled sales multiple years consecutively in several divisions. As he doubled the sales of one division, Charlie would give him another division. He doubled the sales in that division, Charlie would give him another division. So it was just being able to create a system for how to grow sales is difficult because 92% of businesses do not have a sales process, right? Yeah. The hardest step to this is having the pig-headed discipline and determination to follow through, I would say also is even just creating a list of who would be one of those clients for you that could completely change your world. Look back on your business. What have been some of those clients? How could I recreate that? How could I create a campaign specifically to those whales so that I could win a crazy amount of business? We just recently had a client, Multila Oswal. They have 2 million clients in India. They're one of the top wealth management companies in India. And they followed up with this prospect for two years, just sending them mailer every quarter. That's how they did their Dream 100 was every quarter they'd send out a mailer. And when that top of mind came, when he got into that buying now category, he reached out to them because he thought it was clever how they were sending. We do a very specific way of sending uh, direct mail pieces. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lumpy mail. I know about the lumpy mail. (laughs) Yeah. They're highly entertaining and yet still very cheap. Over the years now, as people have adapted it, they're getting more and more expensive gifts. But my father was about doing something super cheap just to show that you're smart. That was really the point, was to show the creativity. And so Multilaw Oswald, they ended up closing a client that was 25 times their regular size. And it it was an eight-figure deal. It was uh, north of $50 million for one client. But it took them two years of pig-headed discipline and determination to do so. So that step number one is just how do I create that list of those people and then figuring out how to follow up. And the following up is, I think... I think it's the pig-headed determination and the follow-up where people really break down on their process regularly. Why do you think that is? 
Oh, man. I mean, it's a serious problem. It's something around, I want to say, 30% of salespeople stop after a second follow-up. They're done. And yet 80% of sales come from the eighth to the 10th contact. So majority of sales is follow-up and yet they don't. You know, I think it's also just, if you can be creative about it, if your come from is how do I be the bright spot in their day? then you'll do it. And you also kind of have have to have this like this thriving, burning fire inside of you that's like, I love a challenge. Like, let's do this. <laughs> like I think of, uh, right? So I think of a client that I was working, I was trying to win one of, one of these big SaaS companies, a nine-figure business. They were the hot, they were, they won entrepreneur of the year a couple of years ago. And I met them on a yacht and the guy was so cold shouldered to me. He didn't want to talk to me. He knew that I was interested in wanting to work with them. And he just wanted nothing to do with me. And I'm like, oh, game on. Here we go. So I friended him on Instagram. And with every step, I thought, how can I make this entertaining and fun for myself? So I found, I took a selfie of us when we first met and I posted it on my social media, but I put a quote of his that I found from one of his podcast interviews that said, the hardest dollar to get is the first dollar. And I put it over our picture as a way of foreshadowing that I was going to get his dollar and it was going to happen, right? So I'm laughing because I think that's hysterical. Then every single day he was posting on Instagram who's trying to grow his personal brand. And every single day I commented on every single post he had. So he'd post about like a video of his wife's reaction, seeing beautiful Christmas lights. And I'd say, your wife loved those Christmas lights so much. You should be doing Christmas lights for her several times a year, just for how excited she is, right? (laughs) Just value add, right? Random has nothing to do with my product or service, but just something funny, right? He laughed. Ha ha. The next one, he had his son. He bet his son that he couldn't go to like 48 hours without eating sugar. And he ended up breaking down within, it was something stupid, like two hours. And the the kid was starting to eat sugar again. And I'm like, you only bet him 25. You should have bet him 50. You know, maybe then he would have done it. I don't know. So with every step, he bought hiking boots and he's like, I'm going to go hiking this weekend. And I said, wait, 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 wait. I climbed Kilimanjaro. I know from trekking five days with new boots that it will rip. It will tear your feet to shreds. Make sure that you wear in those boots before you go up on the hike. Right? So I am just in his face, in his place, in his space. We are in dialogue every single day. I mean, this gentleman has hundreds of staff and yet we are interacting every single day because I am commenting. I mean, he's not really saying much of anything, right? He's probably going, what is this crazy woman? Why will she not leave me alone? And she just keeps having dialogue with me, but I wouldn't have been able to have those dialogues if it was trying to phone him or trying to email him. So that that's a benefit that we have with social today that we can see the insides of our prospects lives and we can comment on them and we can be a fan for them. So three months in, he finally, he reached out to me. I didn't even have to reach out to him. He reached out to me and said, we'd like to buy 650 of your ultimate sales machine books and send them out to our best clients. Would that be okay? <laughs> yes. I would say, and the cool thing about the way you're interacting is that he gets to see your sense of humor, your attention to detail, that, that I care. Yeah, that you care, that you're interested. So it's so much more than here buy my product or exactly. 
And even more, he starts to feel obligated that he needs to return some favor because I'm just throwing favors at him left and right. Right. It's time. It's finally gotten to the point. I heard another one recently that where they said, you know, they got the appointment. It was one of our clients that got the appointment and it was a huge billion dollar prospect. And he's like, he asked the guy, he's like, I'm kind of shocked to be honest that I got this appointment with you may ask why. And he's like, because you just I mean, you didn't stop following up. And after a while, it felt like I had to at least give you the chance or the opportunity, right? So how can we create enough value that our own prospects feel morally obligated to give us the opportunity for that meeting? Wow. So powerful. Powerful. So if somebody wanted to learn more about the Dream 100 and how to like make that whole magic work, how can they do that? Yes. You know, I think the best step would be, so we just created a quiz on to how to find the biggest challenge holding you back from doubling the size of your company in the next 12 months flat. So we have five questions that you ask, and then it educates you on whatever you need most. And one of them is Dream 100, if that's what you need help on. So that would be howtodoublesales.com. HowToDoubleSales.com, five questions on what's holding you back from doubling the size of your company in the next 12 months. And it's a great education. It's just a free video that that we put together to help people. And are there different characteristics or different kind of profiles that people kind of fit into? Absolutely. That's actually why we created the survey, which I find to be a really fascinating marketing technique that we can now use today, right? Is if you actually ask your prospects, who are they? What do they want? What are they looking for? You can better craft an answer to them instead of just giving everyone this blanket answer. Now, because of this quiz, I can tailor my message to you. Your answer could be one of nine different permutations because we've we've done the research and we've built out this whole system. So that's also the power of creating a survey funnel. But... I had marketing people on this that listen to this. So I thought I would throw that one out there. It is, but I like the survey. Like who doesn't want to take a quick quiz? Oh, it's great. It's totally brilliant. And on both ends, like you get so much information about your leads, your leads get information about them. So it's a complete win-win. Absolutely. And and another reason why, well, behind the scenes, I'll say is also because it's so quick. Like I used to just collect name and email and that's great, but then it would take several pieces of going through my different customer journeys before I would even find out if this prospect is a qualified candidate for my business, right? Which was interesting. So being able to ask questions up front and give them a tailored answer is wonderful for them because then we're speaking to them. But it's also great for me because then I know, okay, well, if this person is in this stage of their business, I'm not going to offer you know, this particular product. Uh, instead, I'll offer something that works for them, right? So it, it works on all, all sides. Which is fantastic. I'm also curious too, because I think for some people, like starting to do more education-based marketing, start the Dream 100, can feel like adding a lot of more tasks to their already super busy to do. Mm. So are there ways that, you know, you can kind of master the time management piece? Yeah. Are we diving into time management? Yeah. We're going to dive into time. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah, that's my favorite. Like one of the things I love geeking out about. So yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So everybody should get out a pen and paper if you're going to write these down because 
These are the time management secrets of billionaires. So my father, when he was working for Charlie, he realized that he was running several different divisions and he could barely keep up. He was at the office and every minute someone was raising their hand saying, hey, got a minute meeting? Or you got a minute? I'd love to have a meeting, right? And these got a minute meetings would just break out everywhere and they wouldn't have, it would leave him to have to only work on nights and weekends when he'd get home from the office. The office wasn't even a place to be productive. So he started realizing that when he he wanted to meet with Charlie said billionaire, he would have to, you know, reach out, say, Hey, I'd like to discuss with you. These are the topics. This is the agenda. And then he would come with a very succinct message of what he wanted to uh, deliver to Charlie. So he created this process, these six steps to increase your productivity by 500%. So step number one, make sure you're writing this down. Step number one is touch it once. So we waste on average a week's worth of vacation a year just rereading information. How many times have you taken an email, you read it and you go, oh, I need to do something about this. I'll do that later. And then you put it away and you go back and you read it again, put it away, you go back and read it again. So first step of time management secrets of billionaires, read it and take action on it. It could be responding and saying, hey, this is going to take me more time. Give me some more time. Or, hey, we have our weekly meeting or let's set up a meeting to discuss this. You know, there's a lot of information here. Or maybe it's putting it into a folder of, you know, action items that I need to address early in my day so that I have enough, you know, mental power. So important tasks, you know, so I'm organizing these emails. Touch it once is that first step. Step number two is to list off your top six to do. So we're not going to list off your 16 or your 25. It's what are the most critical six? It'll help you to prioritize. Then once you've done the six, step number three is to allot an amount of time it will take to do that step. So it could be four hours. It could be 15 minutes. It could be 30 minutes. So when you understand how much time that will take, then step number four is actually allocating it into your day. So you may start with from eight to 8.30, I know that I need to get this contract out. So I'm going to work on the contract and send that out. From 8.30 to 9.30, I'm going to work on a presentation because I have that meeting with a big client uh, two days from now, and I will probably need more time to work on it. So I'm going to just spend an hour on it today. And I'm going to spend those times in the early morning because I know that my brain is more fresh when I work in the early morning, right? And you go through your day from 10 to 11 is when I spend my time being reactive. So we're planning out all of that proactive time so that, okay, if somebody comes and says, I have a fire or, Hey, got a minute. No, but I do have a minute between the hours of 10 and 11. That's when I check my email. That's when I handle got a minute meeting. So you can schedule the time then, right? So then you're being proactive and you're not getting side railed or, or thrown off track from where you're focused, right? Should I stop here? Do you want to say anything before I keep going? I do. I have a million things to say. And because we're so aligned, like I don't like operating out of email in general. So I try to do as little as possible. And like one of the things too, that I'll do is I'll delegate it out Mm. as much as I can. But yeah, these are so powerful and they will like radically transform your business day and what you get done if you start implementing them. Absolutely. The hardest part is the pick-headed discipline and determination, right? It works. You'll do it in the first day. You'll go, oh my gosh, what, what have I done that I haven't been doing this my entire career, right? 
but then it's, it's keeping up that muscle and continuing to do it. So if we have the time allotted and you put it into your schedule and you plan it out, cause then let's say at the beginning of your day, you plan that out and you realize, okay, I've planned it all out, but I still have my fifth priority and my sixth priority that are probably actually more important than what I have here in my day. So let me rearrange my day. A lot of the time I find that in my, in my schedule is that I think I have these expectations of what I'm going to accomplish in the day. And then by the end of the day, I realize that I haven't accomplished any of them. So resetting the expectation by having a very clear allotted time in your schedule helps you to, by the end of the day, you feel like a million dollars because everything you wanted to get done, you got done because you planned it out ahead of time and you knew how much time it would take. So it creates better satisfaction in your work day and it helps you to get more. So for me, when I'm proactive about that, I also know I start analyzing how I'm better at working more efficiently. So I know in the mornings, I'm great. I know that in the afternoon, I will have to take, if I can take a 30 minute break to, I love to sing. I love to do yoga. I love to eat healthy food and honor my food by eating slowly and focusing on it. If I do that, then I can go back into the afternoon and have a much heavier mental capacity to get a lot more done than if I had just pushed my way through an entire day. Yeah. So analyzing that more when you're planning every minute, right? Yeah. And I love that you take that time to step away because that gives your brain time to recharge. Yes. So much. It's crucial. Yeah. And even just like the walks or yeah, getting stepping away from it. Sometimes your subconscious is still working on it. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I've had like the best moments of solving a problem when I take my dog for my afternoon walk (laughs) (laughs) hours, whatever. So yeah. Like, yes. Amanda, thank you because this is, it's all been so valuable. Well, the last one, the last step is touch it once. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Throw it away. So if it doesn't give you value and if you, because 80% of the things that we file away are never referred to again. So if it doesn't provide you value, just throw it away. Yes. Yeah. I don't keep stuff and I don't keep things on subscription if I'm not using them or looking at them. And it's one of the things I'm sure that you recommend to people too, is like unsubscribe from all those emails if you're not reading them. Yeah. Like it's overwhelming. Clean it out. Space. Yes. So awesome. Amanda, thank you. Look, we could go for another hour, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. We covered a lot. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, everybody go check out the quiz. Amanda, what's the name of it again? How to double sales.com. There we go. And we'll have the link in the show notes. So all you have to do is go check those out as well. And where can everybody connect with you? What's the best place? All social medias. I spend my most of my time on Instagram these days. And on Instagram, I'm Amandita. It's my salsa name, Amandita Holmes, because Amanda Holmes was taken. Okay. Well, I love your Instagram feed. You have all sorts of content and fun stuff there. So follow Amanda, take the quiz. And again, thank you very much. Yes, my pleasure. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind 
hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders.